Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliette Lamar, and today we're going to be talking with a very exciting guest, his name is Colin Hilkeny, and he is the CEO at Three Diligent. Welcome, Colin. How are you? Uh, very good, Juliet. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're very excited about Three Diligent and what you guys are up to. So why don't you give our listeners a little insight into your company? You got it. Well, Juliet, we are a digital manufacturing service. So basically, customers, uh, typically engineers or inventors, will, uh, if they're interested in getting hardware fabricated, custom hardware fabricated, they will upload designs to our website, request the materials and uh, particular specs that they need for their build, and then we will utilize uh, both some of the analysis tools we've developed here at 3 Diligent and a qualified network of our supplier partners to fulfill those requests on demand. So you might think about it a little bit like Uber or Lyft for digital manufacturing folks kind of press a handful of buttons on our website, and then uh, we will dynamically fulfill the request, uh, whether it be for 3D printing, machining, casting, injection molding, through our qualified supply network. Very cool. And a wide range of customers you could potentially have. Pretty much everyone could use this service. Yeah, really. Anybody who's looking to build something that is, and I say hardware, but I guess uh, we do a fair bit in the uh, medical space too, so uh, some softer pieces of hardware like uh, silicone 
prints and whatnot, we, we play in that space as well. But like you said, a, a wide range of folks. We do a lot of work in particular for medical and industrial, but tons of consumer product opportunities, automotive, uh, aerospace, you name it. If you're interested in developing a, a new product, or for that matter, if you're looking to get replacement parts and you have the design to get fabricated, then we can help. Are you seeing a lot more of this being used in things that you didn't expect, say uh, 3D printing for houses? I know like tiny homes are really big right now. Are you seeing an insurgence of large-scale printing happening? You know, uh, certainly that's a big topic of interest, uh, and I'm really excited at what 3D printing holds for the broader construction industry because at its core, Every part that's made through uh, traditional 3D printing utilizes some of the underlying physics concepts of uh, actual construction of buildings. I mean, if you're thinking about extrusion prints, for instance, um, you have to consider supports uh, as you're building, and those behave in a lot of ways like scaffolding for a for a, an actual construction project. Um, I would say, in general, like that industry doesn't. Uh, has not had quite as much time uh, as uh, other industries. And part of the reason uh, why is this kind of grew up around the aerospace and the uh, medical industries where we tend to utilize the technology for smaller, more detailed things. Um, but again, exciting to see where it's going. And I think that's all driven by increases in speed. And for that matter, the kind of broader awareness of what 3D printing can do for you as a designer, regardless of your industry, which, uh, which is also very exciting. No, absolutely. And I mean, really, when you start getting into creating these things based on the designs submitted by companies, you can go anywhere. You can go to wearables such as, you know, clothing or, or jewelry or things, or you can go to prosthetic limbs or, you know, like you said, car parts. What, what do you think is the biggest benefit to having access to this technology? Well, I think it's the mass customization possibilities and the nimbleness it brings to a supply chain. So I'm not even sure, I mean, I, I know for a fact that we have not yet fully realized all the benefits that 3D printing provides, um, because what it really does is it allows for you, the customer, to get exactly the thing you need uh, in an on-demand fashion. And it used to be that if you couldn't get the thing you needed, you know, because it was obsolete or it hadn't been invented yet, then you're you're just kind of uh, out of luck. But now with this uh, advancement of CAD design, uh, computer-aided design files, which three-dimensional files that uh, you can download and you can make your own adjustments to it, now you can get the exact part you want and you can do it in a very on-demand fashion. And what that's going to do is really put a fire underneath the companies that are developing products uh, at a mass scale to say, all right, well, how do we serve these customers in a way that, uh, A, we're listening to the kind of unique concepts that they might be able to uh, build off of what we've already done and, and uh, kind of stay ahead of customer demand in a more nimble way. Uh, you know, I, th I think that's where we're going to see things go, where uh, there's a much higher degree of uh, customization opportunities to meet uh, particular customers' needs and wants. And the, the early, very obvious ways are in terms of, as you touch on, prosthetics, orthotics, like uh, things that are custom-made for a given person's body geometry. Uh, but I think you're going to see this work its way into many other facets of industry as well as the price points uh, become more and more appealing for 3D printing. 
And for people who haven't really witnessed 3D printing, is it like Westworld? Is it is it as exciting as something like that? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I wrote an article about uh, 3D printing in Westworld, uh, I think, a year or so ago, because I certainly love the show, and I know uh, other members of the Three Diligent family love the show. The uh, It's not... I mean, first things first, you got to deconstruct what in Westworld is actually printed and what isn't. Uh, <laughs> and I and I do have to say that some of the uh, there's some Hollywoodization of of the underlying technologies. But as you look at Westworld, you do see similarities to existing technologies. There's uh, kind of extrusion printing, as you see, they're kind of connecting the tendon or the or the bones in one of those where there's just a little bit of material being extruded from a from a nozzle that's right in line with uh the way a number of uh, printers the kind of extrusion 3d printing family operate and then there's another class of printers uh, vat photopolymerization printers which use big vats of material and cure them one layer at a time uh, using light as the engine to do that so they don't really dig into exactly what they're doing in 3d printing uh certainly we're not to the point of sexiness where you're actually, you know, fabricating full hosts like they do on the show. But uh, components of that definitely are true. And uh, as you can imagine, the ability to build something from the ground up to exactly what's been designed in a given uh, three-dimensional software file uh, is extremely powerful. It, it expands the range of possibilities for designers. So, uh, so you're seeing kind of a golden age now of, of invention where people can seize on design concepts that were previously either impossible or implausible. Absolutely. So Westworld is not coming to a town near us yet, but it's in the works. I can feel it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's tomorrow. It, it's it's a little it's a little ways away, but again, some of the underpinnings of it are are here today. Um but yeah, you don't have to worry about any hosts walking down the street <laughs> yet. Then again, I guess that's how they depicted it in the show too, where they say, Oh, this isn't happening yet. So, you know, Far be yeah, it for me exactly. to know what's happening off the coast of China on some small island, but I think <laughs> that we're still in the clear for at least a few more years. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a little bit of insight into the project life cycle of, of when someone comes to you with an idea. Sure. So uh, if somebody comes to us directly with an idea, then uh, if it's just kind of at the purely conceptual stage, it may be a little too early for, for three diligence. In those kind of pure ideation, hey, I, I, I have a, a sketch on the back of a napkin, or maybe I don't even have a sketch <laughs> on the back of a napkin because we, we could help you there, but like, hey, I'm just kind of spitballing here. That's probably not exactly where we play. But once you get to the stage, you say, hey, I've got a concept here, uh, and I've got a pretty clear sense of what I want to do. It's at that point where uh, we have a collection of, of CAD designers that – uh, that we can bring to bear to, to bring a concept into reality. And that's a kind of more recent phenomenon where uh, where we really step in is that next step. So once you're ready to fabricate and you've got your CAD design, uh, then, then that's where you'll upload that request for quote, detail the materials and the process you're looking for. And, and that's where we really kind of work our magic and uh, utilize the proprietary algorithms we've developed to analyze that request, to cross-reference it against which processes uh, are going to be the best fit for that given uh, given program, and then fulfilling it uh, through our qualified network of partners. You know, and I reference this qualified network of partners. We've got more than 100 partners we've vetted 
hundreds more beyond that. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of these things where people think, well, gosh, could I could I build my own network? And the reality is, there's there's a lot of cool software that's at work here, and and pulling from the right places uh, in our network and and delivering exactly the part that you need when you need it and want it. And all this is powered by the fact that it is digital manufacturing. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't think things would work quite the same way if we were just going 2D blueprints. But uh, now that we do have three-dimensional models uh, and that digital data can be transferred readily uh, to to the right fabricator, that that's what really makes everything possible. And you go, you were talking about the people who you're partnering with. That goes into some of the benefits that your customers have, and they have access to these people you're partnering with. What are some of the other uh, benefits that you can kind of pitch to your potential customers? Well, yeah. So uh, one thing that I left off, I mean, I kind of got to the point of our fabrication center uh, for the fabrication, but then once those parts uh, are fabricated, they'll flow through one of our QA uh, distribution centers for delivery to our customers. So, you know, we're, we're QAing every every part that runs through our platform. And then on top of that, we're also able to offer unique scalability and flexibility to our customers. So um, as I mentioned, the, the 3D printing industry is evolving so fast, so many new machines, so many new materials that it's it can really make your head spin. I mean, we're, we live this world every single day, and uh, we're able to keep on top of it, but uh, it, it's no small feat. And so uh, what that offers customers who are looking for a partner to port their uh, product development and then their ongoing support of digital fabrication of these parts is that because we're uh, qualifying partners on an ongoing basis, we always have the latest and greatest technologies available to our customers, and we're also able to scale more readily than uh, a traditional brick-and-mortar operation might because if uh, we gobble up all the capacity at a given fabrication center, we can then draw on the capacity of other fabrication centers. Or if they've got a backlog, we can, again, dynamically use the capacity where it is in the market. That just allows us to deliver, uh, again, flexibility and scalability for long-term partnerships, but in the kind of more tactical, one-off, each project sense, fantastic pricing, and then also fast turnaround. Of course. And I see here on your website, you say you have a money-back guarantee. So you really do stand behind all the products that you create. Well, that's right. I mean, I think that uh, with every part that comes through, uh, we're assessing whether or not it's something that we can fabricate. And if we can't fabricate it effectively, uh, well, one, we're going to let you know. And <laughs> uh, two, if the parts you get don't meet the spec that we said we were going to deliver against, then we're going to make it right. Yeah, that's and that really that confidence is is what com gives comfort to customers. Right. I mean, and it should. I think that there's uh, there are some challenges, and as an overarching rule of 3D printing, I mean, the, the the hardest part is that we're getting brand new geometries we've never seen that may have never run their way through a given machine. So we certainly do everything we can with all the tools we have to let folks know, hey, that's just not going to work out, and. Uh, these are the sorts of design changes that need to be made. And if you want to make them, great. If you don't want to make them, we've got resources that can help you make them. But uh, again, we're doing everything we can to avoid uh, build failures. That that really doesn't serve it anyone. And how often does that happen, where people come to you with a with an idea? Because I'm, I'm thinking of like maybe the drawbacks that you'd have, to, some of the challenges you'd have to uh, overcome with 3D printing from both your standpoint and the customers. You know, how often does someone come to you and, and the geometry just doesn't work? 
Well, you know, it's funny, um, and I'll parse that in two ways. I mean, the the first question is, you know, is it 3D printable? Like, is the geometry mm-hmm. something that can be executed against by a 3D printer? And the answer to that question is it's it's pretty seldom when the geometry is just impossible to make. Um, the The real challenges for that come when you're saying, well, can you make this geometry with this material or with this particular mm-hmm. 3D printing process? And then when you dig into those components of things, that's where things fall off, where, you know, hey, I could make it this one way, but then when I have to consider the thermal stress of printing it in stainless steel instead of nylon, it does this. Uh, or uh, when I have to add additional support structures to support uh, overhangs that I didn't have to worry about on a different build, all of a sudden that uh, has adverse impacts. So, um, so so that is... Uh, kind of unpacking it one way, which is to say, depending on the process, depending on the requirements, that is really what drives what's 3D printable, because 3D printers really are amazing things. They can make just about uh, any geometry. The second kind of leg of it is like, should you use a 3D printer? And that is kind of central to the rollout that we announced not all that long ago. It's something we'd kind of been building out for the better part of a year, but uh, we we made the formal announcement that we've got comprehensive machining and casting services now to go along with 3D printing because uh, many times if if you're dealing with a very uh, tight tolerance or for that matter it's a bulkier part then uh, sometimes you're better off just starting with a block of raw stock and and cutting away from that to arrive at your part rather than building something from the ground up Uh, and same goes for casting sometimes it makes sense to print one pattern perhaps, create a, a mold for that pattern, and then cast a bunch of parts using that mold rather than printing each one of those individual uh, components. So uh, so I, I know that was kind of a roundabout way of saying things, but <laughs> there's certain cases where you can't use 3D printers, and then there are certain cases where you shouldn't use 3D printers, uh, and you heard all about both. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Now people have a really well-rounded idea of what they're getting into. Um, Hopefully. Can you talk about price at all? Is there like a standard, you know, setup fee for companies and customers coming in, or is it just really a basis of what you need and how what you need it made out of? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, first things first, as far as uh, any customers using our service, there's no cost to sign up. There's no cost to submit a request for quote. We will uh, bid the job to you, and what you see is what you get in terms of. Uh, pricing. As far as the underlying costs that feed into that pricing, yeah, every project is entirely different. And so uh, depending on the machine you need to use, there's an underlying cost to run that machine. There are underlying components for materials you use. I think one thing that folks uh, sometimes lose sight of, and this is uh, a key aspect when you consider design for additive manufacturing, um, and that's finishing. So a lot of times folks have gotten used to the smoothness of an injection molded part or a machined part. And 3D printers, as a general rule, do not deliver the sort of smoothness that those processes do. And so uh, post-processing to remove any necessary supports that were part of the build, the the scaffolding that I described to you earlier, uh, or for that matter, smoothing out any kind of inherent surface roughness that comes from the inherent process of very rapidly melting and then re-solidifying material, um, that can be a a significant cost driver. And folks who uh, really consider the process itself when they're designing and say, okay, well, how am I going to 
minimize the number of supports that are required for this build, uh, that's a great way to cut out a lot of the cost uh, from the overall number when it comes to 3D printing apart. Where do you see the industry of 3D printing going in, in like the next three years? Do you just see it being more and more mainstream? You know, where, where do you kind of have your goals set with 3 Diligent and just for the industry in general? Well, you know, I think that you're going to see 3D printing. It'll be a little funny, actually. Um, we're going to know 3D printing's really broke through when people don't even reference that that's a third part, right? It, it's mm, So you're going to mm -hmm. go through this little phase, I think, in the next few years where 3D printed parts uh, start appearing more and more on, on different jets, different medical applications, and, and there's a real wow factor to it for the next few years. And then... Uh, where you're going to see things really change is back to that kind of uh, commentary I gave about the, the evolving supply chain, where people become comfortable enough and knowledgeable enough about what 3D printing is possible of that, uh, A, they don't really even think about, you know, is this a 3D printed part and, and should that factor into my decision making about uh, using it so much as just, yeah, of course there are all these massively bespoke uh, customizable parts, that's par for the course. That is companies recognizing that uh, they need to have nimble supply chains capable of meeting evolving customer demand, and uh, 3D printers are going to be very central to that, as are all digital manufacturing technologies. You know, just the fact that you can go from a CAD design to an actual real part uh, is going to force companies to move much more of their fabrication uh, closer to the customer. And uh, I would like to think, you know, as you talk about our goals, that uh, those companies will look to partners to help do that, that they might have significant infrastructure and investments and in overseas uh, mass production injection molding facilities. And they look to a company like 3 Diligent to say, wow, you've already got a qualified fabrication network that's got tremendous geographical breadth and you've got depth across many different uh, machines and materials, why don't we just partner with you and uh, and you can provide us uh, a seamless workflow to support all these customers and the rapidly evolving uh, supply chain challenges that we face. Absolutely. So this all sounds great. How do we sign up? <laughs> <laughs> well, go to 3diligent.com and uh, right there on the homepage, you'll see... Uh, a sign-up link. Uh, you can go ahead and create your account. Look for uh, an email that uh, allows you to authenticate your account. And from there, you create an RFQ. And it's a very straightforward process from there. Just make sure you give us uh, the information you need and, and upload that CAD file. I think that's the last leg, as I mentioned. If you don't have a design file already ready, uh, then you're going to be more inclined to uh, sign up and then shoot us an email afterwards saying, hey, I need some design help. Uh, and then we'll mm -hmm. be able to step in and take it from there. Wonderful. Well, Clint, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight into this, this industry and, and really broadening our imagination and also putting our minds at ease about Westworld. Feeling good about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. Julia, thanks so much for having me, and uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to revisit this again in the not-too-distant future, and some of those predictions will have actually borne out. Oh, absolutely. Except, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, except what? and, and except hopefully what? the Westworld still also, that prediction holds true as well, that we've, we've got a little time to work with. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> well, that was Cullen Hilkeny. He's the CEO at 3Diligent. Check out their website. It's the number 
diligent.com. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.